Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you've been able to join us, uh, we've had the opportunity the past three weeks to walk through Luke chapter 10 together and to contemplate an important theme, only Jesus. And as we've said, this will be our theme at Christ our King for the upcoming year. And, and so we remember that it always has been and always will be all about Jesus. Two weeks ago, we heard about Jesus as the God right in front of you. That he is the, the promised Messiah bringing the very reign and rule of God to bear in your life. The forgiveness of sins and the assurance of your eternal salvation. Last week, we heard about Jesus as the God for you, that he is your good Samaritan who has had compassion on you and saves you from the deadly wounds of sin. And today we hear about Jesus as the God always with you, as we hear this account of Jesus with two sisters, Martha and Mary. These are the same Martha and Mary, by the way, that we hear about throughout the Gospels, who, along with their brother Lazarus, were good friends of Jesus, whom he loved dearly. And they were some more supporters of his ministry. The same Lazarus as well, whom Jesus would raise from the dead. But this is presumably the first interaction that they have with Jesus, as Jesus is now journeying toward Jerusalem, and, and he is welcomed by Mar Martha into, into their home. Now, Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened to, to him teach, while, while Martha was distracted with all the serving that she felt she had to do. After all, it's not every day that Jesus comes into your home, so I'm sure there was a lot to do. But after a while of this, while this went on for some time, Martha, it becomes evident, has just had it up to here. And so she unloads on Jesus, and she also lays the blame on Mary. She says, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Well, how does Jesus respond? He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, as Pastor Tom and I were kind of joking earlier, there's an approach that you'll often hear when this passage of Scripture is preached on, and it's the approach that, that treats both Martha and Mary as some kind of stereotypical archetypes of human personality. And so it allows us to pose the question, well, which one are you, a Martha or a Mary? I know I've, I've probably uh, done that as well, and there's actually some benefit to that. That's not entirely unreasonable. But a message like that can then just focus all upon how we need to be less like Martha and more like Mary. And that's why the stories in the Bible, it's to teach us a lesson about how we are to behave. And then they'll just leave it there. And again, there's some truth to that, but it's sort of like last week when we heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. Some people will immediately jump to the point where we are being taught that we need to go out and be like the Good Samaritan with others. But then they'll miss the point entirely that first and foremost, we are meant to see ourselves as that man lying in the ditch. And Jesus 
We are meant to see Jesus as our good Samaritan, that he alone is the one who saves. And it's only after we see how we have been neighbored graciously by God are we then able to go out and be a neighbor to others. I would say the same holds true here. Before we jump into diagnosing all of our inner Marthas, let's first take some time to focus on the most important person in this household scene, which is Jesus. And although Martha truly did a good work in inviting Jesus into her home and showing him hospitality, what she didn't realize is that Jesus was going to do far more for her than she could have ever realized. That Jesus was actually there for her sake, not the other way around. One one commentator put it, Martha made the mistake of thinking that she was the host and Jesus was the guest, when really just the opposite was true. You see, when you are in the presence of Jesus, you must first realize that you are the one in need of what he has to offer, that you must first be served by him, and then and only then are you able to go out and serve in return. And so that's why Jesus speaks to Martha the way that he does. He doesn't speak in scorn or in frustration with her, but rather graciously. He invites her to join him, even in the midst of her confused priorities and concerns, to show her what he was doing in that home for both her and her sister, bringing his teaching, bringing his life-giving word, quite literally life-giving word, bringing a certain hope and a firm foundation that would grant her security for the rest of her life. A foundation, by the way, that would be absolutely critical for her on the day when we hear later in the Gospel of John, on the day when she found herself as the one kneeling at the feet of Jesus right after her brother Lazarus had died. And despite her wondering that day what took Jesus so long to arrive because she knew that he had the power to heal Lazarus if he wanted to, Martha, even despite all of that, makes the astoundingly faithful confession, I know that Lazarus will rise again on the last day. And I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. You see, this is the foundation of hope and joy that Jesus began laying for Martha all the way back on that first day that they met. You see, back on that day, Jesus was the host, despite what Martha may have believed at the time. And Jesus was serving both her and Mary in a way that they didn't even realize. And so this account from Luke chapter 10 is not really primarily meant to be used by us as a trite personality diagnosis tool. No, instead, we are meant to see that these two women are two real people with two real and imperfect personalities who had a real and historical interaction with Jesus that made a difference in their life. Two women who on some days would make really faithful and wise choices, just like us, and two women who on other days made some really knuckle-headed decisions, just like us. 
But you see, the key is that it's all about Jesus. And it's always been about Jesus. About what he was accomplishing for them and what he accomplishes for each one of us. After all, I think it would be wrong for me to uh, try to convince you today that you are all a bunch of Marthas, that you need to be more like Mary. After all, you're the ones who are here listening to this sermon and and in a church and at the feet of Jesus in the first place. Uh, Don't take this the wrong way. That is, don't assume that you're earning salvation points or something like that by being here. But all of you right now are doing exactly what Mary was doing that day. You are hearing, you are receiving, you are learning and growing in all that Jesus brings to you. And so that is truly to be commended. I might dare diagnose all of you as a bunch of Marys. Now, we all have our inner Martha tendencies. That is, at least on that day, Martha was anxious and troubled by everything around her. And so she lost sight of what was truly important, what was truly necessary, which, of course, is Jesus Christ. We all do this at various times in our lives. But do not forget this, when we feel that we are becoming more like the Martha personality instead of the Mary personality, at least on that day, that our solution to that, when we realize that this is happening, the solution is not to buckle down and try even harder and to be a better Christian. Rather, when we realize that we are being more like the Martha type, that is, not fully receiving the foundation of hope and joy that Jesus has for us on a daily basis, then that's not the time to hold on even tighter in our already intensely controlled lives, but rather it's time to let go and resume our spiritually needy position at the foot of Jesus. It's where we are meant to be. It's where... We receive from him everything we need that we cannot provide for ourselves. It's exactly where you are right now. After all, so far this morning, you've been reminded of your identity as a baptized child of God in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You've heard his voice through your pastor who forgives all of your sins. You've received his teaching in the word of God. You've prepared, you are preparing to receive even your Savior's very body and blood given and shed for you in the meal of the sacrament given for the forgiveness of your sins Being in church like you are today is critically important. In fact, for the Christian, it's not at all optional. And it's not because you are earning points by your attendance in church and God is impressed with that. No, rather because this uniquely is the place where you are served by Christ himself, where you can just Come in and receive for a little while instead of always being expected to give. It is where God is your host and you are his guest and you are receiving from him exactly what he knows you need. That is the forgiveness of all of your sins and the assurance of your eternal life. You see, Jesus is laying for you your foundation of eternal hope and joy. People claim that they don't need to go to church because they can just read the Bible on their own. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Uh, 
But think about it. How many of them that say that are actually reading the Bible on their own? Plus, what are they neglecting by not being part of the body of Christ? Far better to be here. Because we find Jesus here for us. He promises to be found here in his word and in his sacrament. Jesus always right in front of you. Jesus always for you. Jesus always with you. Sounds like a sermon series, doesn't it? But Jesus is always in front of you. Jesus is always for you. Jesus is always with you. Jesus is the one thing necessary. And that's what he invited Martha to remember that day. And what, it's what he's inviting you to remember as well. And we are joyfully reminded of that every time we gather together as often as we need to hear it and receive his mercy and grace. Jesus is our one thing necessary. Now, there's another aspect of this text that I'd like us to consider today and why the title of the sermon is Only Jesus, God Always With You. And it has to do with what Jesus says to Martha right at the very end of our gospel reading. Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. See, Jesus was saying that, that Mary had found the importance of sitting at his feet and receiving from him exactly what she needed. And so Jesus certainly wasn't going to be the one to tell her to stop. But brothers and sisters in Christ, there are so many things in this world that are trying to tell us to stop. I've talked about this before and we'll continue to talk about it, but life for a Christian in this world is only getting more difficult, not less. In fact, to confess anything nowadays that approximates a historical, orthodox, lowercase o, orthodox, Christian worldview, to confess anything that approximates that will only earn you scorn at best, and maybe even persecution at worst. There may have been a time in our nation's history when attending church was socially and maybe even, if you were a business person, for instance, economically advantageous. It's not that that's why church existed, but to go to church was a good thing for many reasons. And people thought of them this way. It was a good place to be. It was good to be part of a congregation. It was good to see other people in the community. Good for the community to be able to see you in church. It said something about you. Well, being in this church today, it still says something about you. But it's not necessarily socially advantageous anymore. In fact, by being here today, by confessing that, yes, you believe what God's word teaches, you are actually putting something on the line. We talk about the creed, I believe, credo. You are putting something on the line by confessing that. Students, you are risking being accepted by your peers and your teachers. Young adults, you are risking friends and potential mates or marriage partners. Working adults, you are risking your job or potential clients or your financial security. All of us are risking something by standing up in a society that is slowly, or in some cases not so slowly, losing all of its moorings to truth 
And that by saying we believe in truth, not defined by an individual, but by God, who despite the games that we constantly play with, with what's true or not, he does not change. But the time is coming, and in some cases is already here, that by confessing something like that, that God is the one who defines my life, not the other way around, it's not only increasingly unpopular, but in some cases is becoming illegal. And if not illegal, then certainly socially illegal. And that's why I say there is plenty in this world, not to mention plenty in our own sinful hearts, that wants to take what Jesus has to graciously offer us, that is our foundation of hope and joy in him, and would rather see it sacrificed on the altar of political correctness and certain causes and other ways that our society seeks its own self-justification and self-righteousness. But hear me when I say this, that my point in bringing all of this up is not to cause you to despair. It's not. Because let me remind you that you have one on your side who is greater than this world. You sit at the feet of the one who not only created this world, but entered this sin-darkened world fully aware of the depravity that we create. And so he plunged himself into this heart of darkness as he journeyed to the cross. And as he hung on that cross with the weight of all of my sins and the weight of all of your sins and the sins of all the world, he cried out with a loud voice, it is finished. And he paid the price of our sins so that we would never have to. And Satan and our own sinful nature and this fallen world, our enemies, they were defeated. Your one thing necessary, Jesus Christ, he died on that cross. And then he rose again to show you that he will never be taken away from you. And the foundation of hope and joy that he provides you will never be taken away from you. He is the God always with you. It doesn't mean your life won't be difficult. But knowing the God always with you means that you have the same foundation of hope and joy that enabled those apostles to sit in a prison cell just because they mentioned the name Jesus and sang hymns together. Knowing the God always with you means that you have the same foundation of hope and joy that enabled those early Christians to continue to meet together, knowing full well that by doing so, they were risking persecution and loss of life. And they broke bread together. Knowing the God always with you means that you have the same foundation of hope and joy that enables that enabled the apostles to stand up boldly in Jerusalem despite all the mixed messaging that existed in their world. And you can confess the wonderful truth of the gospel just as they did, that there is salvation in no one else, and confess that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved other than the name Jesus Christ. So sitting here together at the feet of Jesus, it's... It's not just some nice place to be on a Sunday morning. This is your true and only refuge from the world. 
But it's not a refuge to escape the world. Rather, it's a place where you can receive from the God who loves you so that you may then go out into the world and share with them the one thing they need the most, Jesus Christ. It is necessary for you to be here because the one thing necessary, the one person necessary is here for you. And even if this building were one day taken away, Jesus is still the God always with you. And he will never be taken away from you. It is our great hope and joy to be brothers and sisters here at Christ our King, where we know it's all about Jesus. Only Jesus. In his name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.